The Middle East today is a chaotic mess of hatred and violence, but the way of peace was briefly restored to the region back in 1981 until terrorists assassinated the Egyptian president because he pursued peace. Learn how his courageous attempt to achieve peace teaches vital lessons about your life and future next on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. On October 6, 1981, Egypt was having its annual victory parade to celebrate Egypt's crossing of the Suez Canal in the 1973 Yom Kippur War. President Sadat was there. He was offered military escort, but he refused. He said, no, I don't need it and I don't want it. These are my sons. His enemies, including members of the Muslim Brotherhood, the very organization getting control of Egypt today, knew this and they had it all carefully planned. Some Egyptian Air Force Mirage jets flew down very low and they were so loud it was difficult to hear anything. At that moment, a group of men led by one of Sadat's own lieutenants jumped out of one of the military trucks. The lieutenant, rather than saluting his president, threw three grenades at him, and the other men fired assault rifles. Within hours, the wounded Sadat was pronounced dead. It was all professionally planned and precisely timed. Mr. Sadat should have known better, but apparently he didn't have such loyal sons as he thought. So that is uh, something we need to be aware of today. Very few people remember why he was assassinated. Why was he killed like that? And it all started to uh, because he was bringing a certain peace to this world. And they didn't want it, certainly not in uh, Egypt and the other Arab nations. So why, why would this world have such violence and evil toward somebody starting a peace pact and starting a, a way of peace to bring to this world of war and violence and all kinds of evil. This was unique in the world. Very few people had ever seen anything like that. In fact, I would venture to say probably none. Now look at the Middle East today and look at what's happening there. Why could they not learn from what Sadat was starting? Why could they not do that? In my booklet on the way of peace, restored momentarily, Anwar Sadat was the one who was the main person here that began this. He really was setting an example of peace, how to have peace in the Middle East. And that was not so long ago. And yet, people reacted this way. In a, in a violent way was even, that even, even was worse than some would imagine. But others expected something like this. Nevertheless, we're going to have peace very soon because Jesus Christ is going to bring it to this earth in a very few years ahead of us. But think about this as we go through it. 
And I think you will see that it has a kind of a biblical beginning for peace, just the beginning. It was in that direction, right in the direction of what I think the Bible would agree with. Here's what I wrote in the booklet. Sedat's visit to Jerusalem, which Mr. Armstrong called the most incredible peace overture of modern times. After four bitter wars against Israel in 30 years, President Anwar el-Sadat did an unheard-of thing. On November 20, 1977, he declared peace, not war. At extreme personal danger and unprecedented political risk, the Egyptian president braved a personal visit to Jerusalem to speak in peace to the Israeli Knesset. It was the most sensational overture toward international peace made by any head of state in our time," Mr. Armstrong wrote. Why is it that just it takes such a sacrifice like this to try to bring peace to this world, and yet it's met with, uh, I mean, uh, the worst kind of violence? Those people were at each other's throats, and somebody needed to do something to bring peace to that, that part of the country at that time, only a few years ago. And yet, it didn't turn out as we would like it to have done. Here's another quote, Sadat came before the Knesset and said, you would like to live with us in this region of the world, and I tell you in all honesty that we welcome you among us." Now, that's genuine, and it only lasted a short span of time, but if only the Middle East right now could, could practice something like that, just have a start like that, what a sensational event that would be. But this world doesn't want peace, and the peace, well, they don't know the way to peace. They don't know that. Mr. Armstrong also wrote he plans to build at the base of Mount Sinai a worldwide peace center, emblematic of peace among all nations and religions. Now, that's, that concept is unique. Who ever heard of something like that in the midst of the wars in the Middle East? And they've had a ton of them, and they keep having them all the time. They can't find anything to bring peace to the Middle East or the rest of the world. What has gone wrong? Well, the sacrifice hasn't paid off for Mr. Sadat and those followers of his. To understand the true significance of this peace initiative, it's important to fix in our minds the stunning history of the location of which this peace center was meant to be constructed, Sinai, the mountain of God. That's where it was going to be constructed, right there in the mountain of God. And how much do you know about that? That's where the nation of Israel began. 
What do we know about that? What happened in the mountain of Sinai or the mountain of God when God came down to that mountain in the midst of Israel? Well, it was quite a remarkable event. If you look at the, uh, the condition of this world, you'd think that everybody would just be scrambling, trying to find some kind of a peace that would work. But that's not the case. It is just not the case in almost all the time. So Mr. Armstrong visited around the world and visited kings and leaders of countries, I think more than anybody in a certain decade of his life. He went all around and he was invited because he was even called the ambassador of world peace without portfolio. People wanted to see what his plan was to bring peace. Now, there were some people who were suffering mightily, and they wanted peace, naturally. But that's not the way it was uh, as far as the outcome is concerned. The uh, Muslim President Sadat and Prime Minister Begin got together in 1977, and they had the uh, Camp David meetings with President Jimmy Carter. It was a uh, wonderful attempt, anyhow. What about the war in the Middle East today between uh, Iran and their proxies? Really, the, the proxies are fighting against Israel. And what can we do there to bring peace? That here, when, when you think about Jesus Christ coming down, at, it was Christ at that time, Melchizedek, the one who became Jesus Christ, came down to that mountain and gave them the Ten Commandments, and he wrote on those commandments with his finger, and he gave them the Ten Commandments. You can read about that in Exodus 19. But he was presenting this to them to be an example to the whole world about how to have peace. But the truth is, Israel never really did uh, obey God. They kept rebelling against the way of peace. Amazing. And if you look at the origin of the Arab-Jew dispute, it goes all the way back to Abraham, and it's explained in this booklet. It goes all the way back to Abraham. They, they know that history goes back to Abraham, but they don't live like Abraham, or they'd have peace. They don't have that, and yet we could have it. All of these wonderful things you look at and you say, well, okay, they, they talk about Abraham, and, or the Abraham Accords, or whatever. They, all of these three peoples descend from Abraham, <laughs> and still they can't have peace. They just simply don't act like Abraham did. They don't obey God the way Abraham did, and there's no peace. So where do we get peace? Well, God tells us that very clearly, and this little booklet will explain all that to you. When you sacrifice and go to the Knesset like uh, Mr. Sadat did, I tell you, it was something really, really unique in this world. 
And oh, how we need makers of peace in this world. Look around at the nuclear bombs. And our number one problem is that of human survival. And still, we don't seek peace. And even Jesus Christ prophesied that if He didn't intervene, all human beings would be annihilated, all of them killed. But He's going to stop it before that happens, although there's going to be some suffering if we don't learn to turn to God. There is a way to peace, and God intended for us to have peace, and He's going to give us peace in spite of ourselves. It, Jesus Christ is coming to do just that. But here is Anwar Sadat wanted a world peace center, and there had never been anybody done anything like that. So it was creating a lot of sensational news. There was an artist drawing of Mount Sinai and the Christian church building in a mosque, in a synagogue, and it's showing all of them coming together and having peace and working together to really have peace. It was a good start. It was a good start. And here we just simply can't seem to do anything to have peace. And we ought to just be scurrying around everywhere to try to find something to bring peace to this world. And yet the way of peace they know not, the Bible says. Do you, have, do you see educators talk to you about how to have peace? Do they know? Well, they think they do, but they never ever come up with peace. The education of this world doesn't know the way to peace. That's the problem. Now, Mr. Armstrong wrote this, I'll just quote it to you. In 1981, he said, Mount Sinai, Jerusalem, now foreshadow world peace. Now, Mr. Armstrong believed in this and even donated $100,000 to help Mr. Sadat get it started. He was very much involved in it. And you might ask, well, why? Well, we think there's a reason why that happened, because Mr. Armstrong was certainly a man of God and a man of world peace. And many leaders recognized that and even called him the ambassador for world peace without portfolio. Over and over and over they, they would label him that. But anyhow, going on with his article, he said, Is it possible events of the 80s at Mount Sinai and Jerusalem are an actual prelude to soon coming world peace? In this article, Mr. Armstrong wrote about how the Middle East was a boiling cauldron of evil. It was just a cauldron of all kinds of violence and evil. And yet out of the present emotional flare-up emerges now a prelude to final global peace for the first time since mankind has inhabited the earth. There's a real significance to the whole world there. And it, it was a prelude to world peace. Uh, but, of course, Mr. Armstrong knew that it was all prophesied and he knew what was going to happen, but he still was trying to help mankind to move in that direction. 
and perhaps they could repent, and we wouldn't have a great tribulation and the day of the Lord to make men see that they cannot bring peace and they fight against God who shows us how to have peace. Why was this small church of Mr. Armstrong invited to be a part of this? Because of his, what he was doing going to kings and leaders around the world, I would imagine. They wanted him to be a part of it, and he wanted to be a part of it. But still, there was this violent reaction. Mr. Armstrong said this, both the center and its Mount Sinai location are equally symbolic of peace. I'm honored to have a part in it. He said that the World Peace Center is to be constructed at the base of Mount Sinai, for there it has a meaning it could not have anywhere else on earth. It couldn't have a better place to place it than right there at the base of Mount Sinai. So I want to give you a little of that before I conclude this, because we really need to understand a little bit of what was happening when God came to this earth in Mount Sinai and began the covenant with Israel. So they could be an example to the world of how to have peace. And they never did really do that. They just didn't do it. So Mr. Armstrong was certainly excited about all of this. He wanted to see some, some people move toward peace, real peace. Isaiah 59 and verse 8 says that the way of peace they know not. So they don't know it, and they need somebody to show them how to bring peace into this world, but it does take sacrifice. It does take sacrificing to do that. Notice Exodus 19, and in verse 3 it says, Moses, their leader, went up to the mountain and talked to God. He wanted to talk to God about God's way of life and the Ten Commandments. Exodus 19, verses 10 and 11 talks about him coming to this earth, and notice what happened. In verses 16 and 17, here's what happened at Mount Sinai, and that's why that place was so significant, and there no other place in the world could have illustrated this except Mount Sinai. Now, I think God inspired that, and I certainly think God inspired Mr. Armstrong to take that message to the world. And they certainly had a witness against them, but they did not accept that, mes that message and what he was teaching them, if they would listen. Verse 16, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled before God. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount, lightning and thundering and the quaking of a mountain, and a thick cloud so that they couldn't see God or it would have killed them. 
This was spectacular, and it's, a, it's sad that this world doesn't know more about this and realize how sensational and wonderful this is. This is our future, and it's coming very soon, a tiny few years, and it's going to be here. You're going to see that happen. Just read these Scriptures and, and then wait and see if it doesn't happen. Verse 13, where it says, The Mount of God, the Revised Standard Version, and the Moffat gave a better translation. They call it the Mountain of God. The Mountain of God. Here they were right at the Mountain of God. That's what it is. It's the Mountain of God, a special place like nothing on this earth. And Israel even gave it back to Egypt after taking it from them. Now, I don't think that's the wisest thing to do, is to give a place back that is where Mount Sinai is and where Israel wandered around for 40 years. But nevertheless, that's what happened. But what a phenomenal start for a nation! There's never been anything like it on this earth. And Mr. Sadat didn't really understand what he was doing, but Herbert W. Armstrong did, understood it and what it all meant, and believed that God had a hand in it. See, that's at the mountain of God. Oh, we need to know more about the mountain of God and the Old Covenant that God talked to them about. And then later on in Hebrews 8 and verse 10, he talks about the New Covenant. And let me just read you a little of this. He said, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. He wants to write these laws, this covenant that he's now making with his very elect and soon to make with all the world. And he, he wants to put His laws into their mind and write them in their hearts so they think just like He does. And they're going to have peace in this world, all over the world, and all over the universe. That's coming very soon. Now, Elijah got a little discouraged and because uh, Jezebel was about to kill him, trying to anyhow, said she would, and he became discouraged after all everything he'd gone through. So God said, well, now I want you to take him back to Mount Sinai, and He gave all kinds of thunder and lightning and everything else, but then, then there was, God was not in all of that. But then he heard a small, still voice, the voice of God. See, that's what God wants all of us to have. It's what He wants you to have and me to have. And listen to this small, still voice of God. And it's getting stronger and stronger as we get closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And all of this was a type of the wonderful world tomorrow. It's a type of what's coming to this earth. It's an emblem of that. And I think we all need to think about it and look at these Scriptures because that's what they tell you, and that's what they say is coming to pass very, very soon. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends.
The Middle East today is a chaotic mess of hatred and violence. But the way of peace was briefly restored to the region back in 1981 until terrorists assassinated the Egyptian president because he pursued peace. Learn how his courageous attempt to achieve peace teaches vital lessons about your life and future. Muslims, Jews, and Christians living together in harmony. This was the vision behind a proposed World Peace Center at the base of Mount Sinai. Request Gerald Fleury's free booklet, The Way of Peace Restored Momentarily, to understand the earth-shaking strides toward peace of one brave Muslim leader in the 1970s and 1980s. He defied the murderous intentions of the terrorists to establish brotherhood with the Jews and he paid for this lofty goal with his life. The proposed World Peace Center was no ordinary overture to pacifism. This unprecedented project was mediated by a unique man, called by many an unofficial ambassador for world peace. Humanitarian, educator, and theologian, Herbert W. Armstrong. Study the way of peace restored momentarily to learn why the human leader of God's one true church got involved in a peace plan between the Jews and one courageous Muslim. You can prove that the World Peace Center was an ambitious undertaking supported by God himself, even though it ultimately failed. Discover the true significance of the World Peace Center as a stunning example of the only way of peace and sobering proof that peace cannot be achieved until something within human beings changes. Very soon, the necessary change in human nature will be completed and the way of peace will be restored, not momentarily, but permanently. Also request our free booklet, The Ten Commandments. God created the physical laws that govern the earth and the universe. He also created a set of spiritual laws that is just as binding. Keep these laws to be blessed. Break these laws and they will break you. There is a definite cause for every effect. Failure to achieve peace in the Middle East traces back to the failure to keep certain laws that determine the right way to live. Study the Ten Commandments to prove how just ten all-encompassing spiritual laws of God would solve all world problems and bring us the lasting peace we all desire. You'll also receive a free copy of Gerald Fleury's booklet, No Freedom Without Law. In modern society, lawlessness is equated with freedom. But look around. Do you feel free when crime and abuse are rampant? Learn the time-honored truth that there can be no freedom without law, especially God's perfect holy law. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request The Way of Peace Restored Momentarily, The Ten Commandments, and No Freedom Without Law. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request The Way of Peace Restored Momentarily, The Ten Commandments, and No Freedom Without Law. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 
For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. The preceding program was a paid presentation of the Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.